0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Foundation by Story Archives. I'm your host, Mario Busto, alongside the other host, Zachary Newton. Welcome back. We're back in the saddle, y'all. A $2.96 trillion Apple tried to squash us, but we're here recording from my Mac Mini with my Apple Watch nearby and my (laughs) iPhone nearby. Please, Apple, please (laughs) free us.
1: Come on, just look at my desk. I'll, Zach, I'll, I'll Zach, give you all some promotion.
0: How are you doing? How are you doing, Zach?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing? It's been a it's been hell of a week. A, I was just going to say it's been an interesting week to say the least.
0: I mean, I'm excited
1: it, to record, but
0: it's been yeah. interesting. I mean, look, it's light work. Let's, you, know, you know, I'm not a boohoo kind of guy. so You're not. But nonetheless, if you didn't listen to our emergency pods to catch up on everything that's been going on at the Soapbox Network, here's a little TLDR. And for all of you out there who don't know what TLDR means, it means too long, didn't read. And in your case, it means too long, didn't listen. We were deplatformed by Apple Incorporated, the uh, exact company that's behind foundation. So they pretty much filed about 30 plus removal takedown requests on YouTube. So they have terminated us from YouTube. Uh, they have deplatformed us from Apple Podcasts, and they have struck down about six episodes or seven episodes on Spotify, as well as other things. So, Apple just uh, flexed their their little, you know, mm-hmm. I'd say their biceps probably worth about, you know, $900 billion. So So, uh, they least. flexed their, their little $900 billion bicep and uh, almost destroyed our whole network this week in terms of silencing us on the internet. Similar to the silence that a whisper ship leaves as it jumps into a alternate part of space yeah
1: that and the shadow master device i mean that thing's actually kind of cool
0: all i hope is that story archives is able to pierce the hide of the empire so uh (laughs) we'll we'll see um yeah for all of you out there if you're trying to listen to this podcast sorry but you got to listen to us on spotify and twitter for now so there may be others out there that i'm not listening maybe google podcast made it maybe a few others that, that that you listen to out there might have made it, but. Our main ones probably will be Spotify and Twitter until we resolve this. We do see a little bit of a light in the tunnel with Apple Podcasts putting us back on. However, until then, I don't count the money until it's in the account. So, um, other than that, we're waiting for Apple to retract all of their claims. We have resolved what we think is the issue, which was pertaining to the cover art, apparently. Yeah. And... uh At least uh, that's what we think it is for now, but we really haven't been given concrete clarity as to uh, the violation. But boy, are they quick to make us guilty of the violation, aren't they, Zach? Yeah, I know. I'd appreciate a heads up, but... Just a little warning. Just say, hey, guys, uh, we love the work. Thanks for promoting our shows about three times a week for the last year. Uh, (laughs) You know, just just a little thing. Can you just remove this from your channel? Yeah, sure thing. No problem, Paul. You don't got to terminate us from the whole web. That'd be nice. You know. All right, let's get into the episode. Most let's of the people, Most of the people out here are here for one thing and one thing alone. The Last Empress. Season two, episode eight, The Last Empress, as you've just said. And by the way, this episode, I'm going to just say it, has got to be the most jam-packed, eventful episode we've ever had in foundation. And I'll go so far as to say they kind of screwed up not making this like a this is a season ender type episode this is like a season finale type of episode but damn it we're in for a good last two episodes of the season episodes nine and ten should be insane because yeah usually we get maybe two or three storylines in an episode this week we got everybody literally i don't think we missed a single storyline this week in terms no. of where everybody is in their respective journeys
1: yeah, I mean typically what we've had in this uh in this show is we would alternate a set of storylines like every other episode, right? And this I think I think is the first episode we've ever had where everybody makes an appearance in this episode. Every storyline, every I guess almost every planet even that we've been introduced to has some appearance in this episode.
0: Yeah, I mean we go from Rue and Dusk. You know, we mm-hmm. get, you know, several love stories in this episode. I think the whole episode is around love stories, right? You have mm-hmm. Rue and Dusk, you have Don and Serith. you have Day and Demerzel. you get uh Constant and Hober. Um and you that's pretty much like the core of the entire episode. And it's it was fantastic. I mean, yeah. it was just all around The My favorite episode of Foundation ever. I know, I feel like, well, I feel like you say this every single week, but I'm saying it that this is probably my favorite episode of Foundation ever. Okay, fair enough. I
1: I like this one a lot. It was great. It's definitely better than the last episode. That's um, what you say every week. That we had. (laughs) Well, it is. That is what I say, except I believe episode seven was the one that let me down a little bit. I was like, eh, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't better than the last. Was it seven that you said that about? I'm pretty sure it was the last yeah. episode we covered, yeah. Yeah.
0: I was... uh I mean, they tied everything in in this episode. Yeah. Jam-packed. They, they answered the question. And let me tell you, I think Foundation was teetering. It mm-hmm. was on a tightrope. You know, because I love a show. I love the concept of a show that has this giant plot twist okay yeah but it's risking never being able to get to the plot twist because of how far back they're putting the twist i mean they have set up Demerzel's character as Mm -hmm. a mystery from the very beginning yeah and there was no inkling of this storyline in season one Mm -mm. so something in her programming has gotten to a point that it's become apparent because you know has time just progressed enough that she's get, getting further and further away from her original programming uh, to such a degree that now she's at a place where things are starting to unravel? She doesn't have as tight of a grip on the Empire because we find out in this episode that she is really the true heir. She's almost like the the shadow government running the Empire while these three are the public face of the entire dynasty.
1: Yeah. It's almost like she is the original Cleon. His wish is living through her.
0: And it makes, you know, I, I will serve Empire all the more clear. And why she makes the decisions she does more uh, evident. It also makes you wonder if Bell Rios was correct when giving his little speech to Glewin a couple episodes ago. When he said that Empire is the best alternative to whatever else is out there. Because if you have someone like Demerzel who's in control, although she's a robot, mm-hmm. and would probably handle um, emotional and moral matters in the same way that we have been terminated from different platforms, <laughs> uh, she would probably handle it like that. You know, she's it's like she's like a data scraping machine. She doesn't care about you know if someone gets iced here or not. It's one of those things where they're just a number, and so she, everyone else is just a math, it's just a mathematical equation for her. As she said herself. In the previous episode, when referring to her murdering of Sareth's family, she says, that's the type of precision precision I bring to my work. Yeah. So, we did get that bit earlier in the season where Dusk and Don go to, you know, visit the guy who kind of reminds me of Steve Buscemi, who's in charge of, <laughs> charge of all the memory files in the mm-hmm. history of the Cleons. And that guy gives them like a record back saying that, Cleon the first had the most cataphiles, I think that's what they're called, right? Memory cataphiles? Yeah, cataphiles, yeah. Of any Cleon. And therefore, each of these subsequent Cleons uh, has had a major chunk of their memory disposed of. And now we're finding out what that major chunk of their memory pertains to. Really, at the root of it is what is Demerzel's origins? How did she become the trusted uh, advisor servant to the crown? Mm-hmm. And- what is her motive here? What is her purpose in the palace? And man, everything gets tied together. This giant wall, the way the chroma works. And Terrence man who plays Dusk, nobody breaks down the history, like like the exposition that we need to understand this universe better than he does mm-hmm. in the role of Dusk. When he starts breaking down, um, man, I wrote down the name of the emperor who was slaughtered by, Emperor Benefos was slaughtered by a robot. And he says that was the first time the law, the robot law of um, harming humans was broken. And that from there, the robot versus robot, robot versus human war began, which led eventually to the extinction of robots. That was a, like a riveting scene. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There was a lot there. I did pick up on some of the exposition in this this time uh some of it felt a little strong in the episode but i do agree i think dusk did the best job at telling us you know a little bit about what's going on you know, some of the other elements in here uh you know we'll, we'll probably touch on this during the deep dive felt a little too forced it was just like a little like did somebody just ask you a question off screen that you're trying to answer right now but I overall I, I love i love seeing where this is going and i love the uh I mean, the fact that, yeah, there's something up with and you know, this whole secret like cave thing down there in their own home that they never knew about. I'm yeah. curious to see what we find out about that in the next episode.
0: I respect your opinion on the Dusk exposition, but I disagree. I thought it was absolutely necessary in this episode if you're going to set up the this whole robot uh, human history, Right. Mm-hmm. I will say the worst person at delivering exposition was probably Salvor and, uh, what was the name of the Grand Huntress again? Farah. Farah. Good Lord. That scene with the Invictus was probably the worst delivery of <laughs> 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 the crown jewel of Emperor Morellian's fleet.
1: Yeah. That one sticks with you for a long time.
0: Yeah. The stuff going down in Ignis. Okay. I just wrote down in my notes. Tell him is evil a f mm-hmm. laugh out loud I mean she is she was she told him the truth right from the jump and i mean I, I made a note of it when you meet tell him she says, you know, never treat a child like a god, it really messes with them. you yeah. know it truly messed with her because she's been reincarnating into different beings over several generations. I think she's probably been alive for probably the last hundred and fifty years, mm-hmm. and she says the scary part is that she's grown stronger with each each reincarnation, which goes to show you. Just how much of a threat the mule could be in such a situation like this if he was left um, unaltered and able to do something similar, right? Because she says that's the reason she can hear the voices of those who are suffering outside of the planet is because she grows stronger with each reincarnation. And so that's why she's so mesmerized with Gale because Gale knew, which apparently Harry's dead um, because there ain't no way he's been floating for like two days in that pool. Um, Mm -mm. but she's mesmerized by Gail's power because she right off the bat has these natural, this natural strength and this natural, uh, tuning of her skill without any training at all.
1: Yeah. And I, I definitely agree. Uh, she has been alive for, I would, I would venture to guess a lot longer than 150 years because remember she heard Gail back on her home planet when she was a kid and she, she goes on to say that she was the one that planted the ideas in Gail's head to leave and to learn these things.
0: I think she was full of crap there, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think she was telling the truth there. I think she was trying to find a way to get Gail to open up to her, to give her the secret to, um, to finding the radiant. Cause she needs to find the prime radiant. That was part of this whole shakedown in the prison and probably to expand her own power. She has, I don't think she destroys the radiant. I think she, she reincarnates into Gale, probably takes the radiant and uses it to her own, uh, benefit in mm. some way, right?
1: Yeah, maybe you know, she ca- wants
0: to be the mule. And
1: I would, I would be interesting. Maybe that's how the mule is so powerful. In what sense? Well, I mean, if the mule's the mule seemed to be very powerful, I mean, he's killed many people. As we saw from the, I guess, flash forward that Gail had in the ship earlier in the season. Well, if if she continues to become more powerful, tell him, uh, by reincarnating into these new new or younger people. I could I could see a world where she's maybe maybe the mule.
0: Maybe. I don't I'm not giving up on the, the little boy possibly being the mule, uh or Josiah. He has a little bit of an evil bend to him when he says, uh when he describes the table ceremony to Salvor, he says, it's quite the honor. So he kind of has like this twisted sense of morality because he's grown up in this yeah. effed up cult atmosphere with Telum in charge, right? He even mm-hmm. goes so far as saying, "Sighted don't kill sighteds, you know, like stuff like that, which is just like a code that these people live by, right?
1: Yeah. It was very interesting. I, uh, I think there's some good in them. I I think Gail was definitely. I think you were right, and, and I think it was the last episode where Gail's speech had had started to touch some of the people there. So, you know, hopefully we see some rising up. Something happens to to save Gail here. We know Salvor is at least not dead. Uh, here he is, though. Just like uh, just like Tellum is kind of trying to merge herself into a new being. It's almost like. Harry, at least part of Harry's knowledge, the Harry that's dead, is being merged into the other version of Harry as well.
0: In a way, I mean, I was wondering why Salvor was kept alive. At first, I thought it was because there's no way Gale would ever work with Telem if she killed her daughter. Hmm. But I guess it does come down to just the code that Sidets don't kill Sidets. She does have a code that she does live by, right? Yeah. Um. Trantor. Hunger Games vibes also kind of look like Pride Rock when you come up and you see that giant <laughs> jutting out. I don't know if you want to rewind it, but it's like this it looks like Pride Rock from Lion King. Yeah. Just, it jutting, just jutting out into straight the sky. out. We get this giant execution ceremony where Day is going to make an example of Polly and Constant. And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, this show is pretty unforgiving. They totally could chop off these two's head, both mm-hmm. of their heads right now which would make perfect sense as to how Cermak would react and go to war with the Empire. But we get one better. We get Hober showing up Naruto style, uh, coming (laughs) back to save the the Hidden Leaf Village. And uh, Whisper Ship jumps in a way that was the most satisfying moment in Foundation. Period. (laughs) And I'm assuming... This has to be the reference to Hober Mallow pierced the height of the Empire. This has to be the moment. Because Becky literally bites Empire in the neck. Yeah. And this whole moment leads to the final straw of the Empire. Everything is going to fall apart now for the Empire, whether this is the first domino or whether the house cascades completely. Mm -hmm. But as a result of this, you learn a few things here you learn don and Sarah are in love with each other by the reaction of don to go save him yeah to save her rue and dusk are in love with each other and rue catches on to don and Sarah, right i didn't mm-hmm. i thought those two were using dusk and don i didn't know if it was full-on love but we get confirmation that they are in love and lastly Demerzel loves day yeah 'Cause she's the one they do the juxtaposition there, right? You got Hober coming to save Constant, you got Don and Sareth, you got Dusk and Rue, and you got Demerzel with a with Day who's not reciprocating this kind of <laughs> no. it's, it, you Get know, off. It's, Well, in each of the other scenarios, the man is protecting the woman, you know? Yeah. And in this scenario, the woman's like literally mounted on top of him. <laughs> you know. Well she and, is
1: more uh, she is far superior in terms of strength yeah, and protection be, at this to, point
0: to be fair, she's mounting anybody on top of Pride Rock here, but yeah. <laughs> um it does make you wonder how she didn't save him from Becky because I have a feeling Demersel is a worthy match for Becky. She probably could have chopped off uh Becky's limb from limb if she wanted to, yeah, but um, I just it, it find it hard to believe in that sense that. I wrote in my notes, this rescue needs to happen a little bit faster because one thing is the element of surprise landing there, but how mm-hmm. incompetent or maybe how prideful is the Empire to allow this to occur? Um, we also get a glimpse of Day who's very much, if you had to say, what is he, fight or flight? He is flight. And um, it's kind of hard, even though you can understand why he runs from Becky. Mm-hmm. uh it is very un uh what's the word I'm looking for? Un
1: I don't know what the word is that you're looking for. It doesn't it doesn't project strength.
0: Yeah, it's I'm looking for a word for it. it's undignified. It's undignified of day to run with screaming at the top of my lungs. <line. laughs> you know?
1: I don't think we've ever seen them run, right? No, like when, you're supposed to walk slow. You're supposed to be formal, and it just no, takes a, off.
0: It's the ultimate sign of cowardice that he that he would run, yeah. but he also has no weapon. What is he going to do? Stand his ground and die? Uh, I mean, there's that would be like, the honorable thing to do. I loved Hober's rescue. I just did get a little bit. Um, I guess this is the strongest empire in the history of the world, and I would assume they have some sort of aerial defense when you're leaving the atmosphere. I don't think you're just going to be allowed to deactivate uh, a guillotine around Constance's neck while you are just slowly gliding past the outer rings of Trantor. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Think about it. They were detected in stealth mode in the middle of space. You don't think that there would be some sort of turrets. I figured the thing that would make the most sense is if they jumped immediately. That's what I thought they were going to do. But no, they just glide into space and hug each other and, you know, whatever.
1: Well, whatever i i do think that the whole rescue should have been a bit shorter yeah. uh the the amount of time that the empire's guards were just like where running around fi- has- firing at nothing was yeah. was mind-blowing
0: that was the part that i'm like oh jeez my goodness man how incompetent yeah that's where like the combat sequences to me are or one of those things where like make it a little realistic you know that he get decimated him, all the all the soldiers <laughs> up there yeah Granted, it is a pretty vulnerable position. You know, there's not really much anybody's doing up there. It didn't seem like it was very well protected. Um, and it was a public broadcast humiliating the Empire, pretty much showing that, as Glewin says, the Empire can be touched. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hober managed to do it. He managed to do it. And even the people who work for Empire, like Bell and Glewin, are pretty happy to see that he actually got away with it. And it makes me wonder. Now that Bell has captured Hober again, mm-hmm. whether it's going to uh, bring Bell over to the terminus side,
1: I don't know. The foundation I, side. I I feel like that'll probably happen at some point.
0: Which, either that or a split between Glaywin and him, because I don't think Glaywin is go- is going to want to give up this opportunity.
1: I feel like Glaywin's going to die. Like I, j- I, just have that feeling. Like, like we're gonna have him die, and that's gonna like unleash Bell.
0: Well, let's think about this. Day is going to terminus, right? Mm-hmm. The ships that are going to be re- forming, you know, a formation around terminus, probably gonna be led by the imperial fleet, which is led by Bell. Yeah. If ever there was a moment. To turn on the Empire, it would be when Day's on Terminus, the entire Terminus army is there and then the fleet and the army can go towards Trantor together in force and eliminate the rest of the Empire and put Cermak in power, put somebody else in power immediately and have just a giant coup Robert Baratheon style take the throne.
1: Would be a great opportunity. Did I catch that Demerzel was on the way there to, uh, to Terminus with Day as well, or no? Yeah,
0: she left the yeah. planet as well. Yeah, which is so why I mean... everybody's just getting their their groove on while demerzel has gone, really. <laughs> and that's why I was like, "Why are Don and Sarah doing it outside the palace? They could have totally done it inside the palace." demerzel has gone.
1: Yeah, you know? the parents are away.
0: Yeah, exactly. Parents are gone. What did what's the saying? The parents are away. The
1: I don't know. I that. All I've ever said is parents are away. I didn't realize there was something more than that. You He's obviously a had a more interesting childhood than I did.
0: Something was something is away, the, the cats will play, the kids will play. I don't know. Something like oh,
1: that. Oh yeah, that, that, that I know what you're getting at. I've heard it before. I I but I've never said it myself, so I, I can't I can't repeat it.
0: I got here. a bunch of stuff up here, just a bunch of catchphrases and, and phrases and words, and you're no and help at all. Actors
1: and actors. like just, I'm just like
0: You're just no help at all. You're just man, like I don't uh, know how yeah. you pull half this stuff yeah. out of your
1: head. I'm like, where did yeah. that
0: come from? Yeah, man. Um, I don't want to go too deep into this. This is the instant reaction because so much goes down here.
1: Yeah, it really Um,
0: does. Perhaps the two most interesting things in the episode that occur. I'll leave one for. I'll leave the Demerzel mind bomb for last. (laughs) But Salvor interacting with Harry by using the radiant. I will say I don't remember when the hell she put that radiant in her jacket. Um, to a point where I'm like meh when did I get there you know yeah. what is this is this like uh... I was
1: wondering if it was real or like something him yeah. was, was planting in her head Like, is this, yeah. like,
0: is this like Harry yeah. Potter when you know Harry pulls the sword out of the hat like well what is this <laughs> um, but no she opens up the prime Radiant, and we have this really really fun scene where dark Harry is pretty much questioning himself and figuring mm-hmm. out the reasoning as to why he's in the dark yeah, and it's a great scene where we kind of find out that this Harry is not evil in his own way. He's kind of very humorous when he goes, "Fuck, I'm the left hand." Yeah, and I thought that was great. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. and this this is actually the line where he goes, "Kept in the dark, a left hand, blissfully unaware of what the right hand is doing." Fuck, I'm the left hand. <laughs> it's like you find I love out, this. You find out you're Pippin and not Jordan. You know, yeah. it's like he is not the all-knowing Harry. The other one is. You know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought that was fantastic. And just him deducing the information he needs and Salvor him kind of dancing so that she gives him just enough information, but not enough to destroy the math. Mm -hmm. And we also get probably the biggest thing, which is the whole time while we're watching the show, I think most of the audience was assuming that everybody's timeline was moving in sync. Yeah. And in reality... Gale and Salvor's timeline, all this is happening a little bit uh, in the past compared to everything else we're seeing on Terminus and what's going down in Trantor. Because this moment with Salvor is what leads to that etching of Hober Mallow on the vault in Terminus. It's how he got the name. It's the answer to our questions as to how he got the name. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was some sort of connection to Harry. In reality, it was really just a direct uh, connection to Salvor. And yeah. by, by the way, it is a little freaky to think that during this conversation with Salvor is what leads to freak the other warden being absolutely eviscerated outside of the vault. <laughs>
1: that <gasps> oh is kind of no. funny. Yeah. You know, it's also interesting to know now that Harry in the vault has eyes Everywhere. wherever the prime well, radiant wherever the is. Ra- yeah, yeah. Wherever yeah.
0: the is. Yeah, it is interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, And he does have a bit of I won't say he has a bit of a heart because I even think that his encounter with Mac at the end is very um, calculated,
1: just calc- cold
0: Cold and calculated. He says he doesn't know what's going to happen. I think he does know I think everything is like he says to galvanize the first foundation and he knows his role is to galvanize them Yeah I would agree Last thing to talk about before we wrap this episode The Discovery Made by Dusk he stumbles upon this program line that says Demerzel has always been and she always will be, or something like that. She will yes. always remain. He can't understand. He's the one who uses that example uh, when it comes to Rue, who says, "Does it feel like a cotton swab in your mind where you just can't, you know, see past something, you know?" And mm-hmm. she gives the confession that on Cloud Dominion they have found a way to reverse. Memory erasure, which is kind of convenient, to be honest.
1: It's convenient. It's also pretty awesome and powerful. I can only imagine what yeah. we might find out. I am, I am, I'm, I'm going to assume that she's going to use some of that technology on Dusk.
0: It's just hard to believe that that sort of technology, technology so close to Empire, would go undiscovered. But through through this, this whole conversation with Rue, Dusk makes a discovery which only Dusk would have ever picked up on, which is the Chroma art. We know that Dusk is the one that focuses on these murals of Empire. So he would be the one who picks up on it. There's a still piece on the Empire as they're having this conversation about robots that they see which leads to the secret passageway in this weird room that I don't have all the answers on in regards to what this is. But Cleon the First says that at first it was a prison. Now who the prison was for possibly Demerzel. I don't know. Maybe it's for him. He's the one bound in it now. So, this is the Cleon the First who's unaltered. Maybe Cleon the First is the one who places here. Maybe Demerzel doesn't know this exists. I highly doubt she doesn't know it exists. This is probably her way of talking to her first love uh, (laughs) whenever she wants, right? Yeah. But we don't really have a word, but we did get this mind bomb of a realization from Dawn and Dusk. That they are powerless. It's actually Demerzel who is the last empress. Yes. And the only one of the trio who doesn't know that Demerzel is the one in charge is Day.
1: That's true. That's very true. I wonder if Demerzel could have been the the one robot to break the law and kill a human.
0: I have no idea. I think these are things that we may not even find out in season two. But it does lead us to an interesting place as to what's gonna go down with Demerzel. Because right now it seems like it's. I think Day is gonna get to a point here. This is an interesting part. If he finds out Sarah is screwing Don, yeah, and Dusk is against Demerzel, he may just go absolute off the wall, loose cannon style. Me and Demerzel against the world, you know.
1: Well, Every day has kind of like had that attitude with things I and mean, just being quick to react. I mean, blowing up planets, beheading people, whatever else that may which, be.
0: Which makes it kind of odd that you just got attacked by Terminus, and now you want to go over there to talk?
1: Yeah, that was a curveball for me. That, it really th- was. I was like, no. I but
0: want then to talk. But then again, like, okay. we've always had this consistent thing with day. Days more empathetic, days more cool-headed. Dusk is always the one calling for war and for severity. Day is always the one, usually, when it comes to true conflict, he's usually the one who dials conflict down, always, in this show. Even in the midst of get, almost getting his damn clavicle bit off uh, by Becky. I don't know how that bite was not like the end of him, because it was literally right Yeah,
1: there. that thing, man, he, in, in, in what looked like the worst CGI ever. Is that, is that the ever. clavicle? This is the clavicle.
0: I think so. Jesus, Zach.
1: You know, it's been a minute since I've, uh, you know, looked at the human anatomy and question. You're supposed questioned to do, supposed to do, do the
0: the bounce board here of my questions, man.
1: I I, I know, but I, I haven't really looked up what your clavicle is. You tell me. Um, God, yeah, it's I mean, clavicle, he, he got like, his neck, like shoulder area bit ripped through him. Like, what was what, 15 feet? Didn't look like it felt good.
0: I don't know about the throw, but that bite should have been the end of him. It should have been near fatal, that bite. <laughs> Just... <laughs> You've seen the teeth on that damn thing?
1: Oh yeah. I'm sure there there's some uh, infections there too.
0: Plot armor saved him though. She stared at him like a Bond villain. You know. <laughs>
1: Let me tell you my plan.
0: Yeah. We're waiting to take the bullets in her ribcage. <laughs> Poor yeah. Becky.
1: Becky's dead. I liked Becky.
0: We don't know if Becky's dead. She might have She fell like like a thousand plus feet. You don't see the body? Bro,
1: the body's the body's <laughs> like a freaking pancake. <laughs> <laughs> she has wings, bro. Does she have wings? No, I don't think so. These things just have like I don't even know what you'd call them. They're like uh it's like massive like spike like claws or something, almost yeah. like a scorpion. I don't know. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's wrap it up. Oh, we didn't talk about Hober and uh Constance really awkward sex scene
1: oh man that was that was something else.
0: I just find it like like of course, they're gonna do it, and honestly, in this scenario, there's probably no better time to have sex because think about it. you're on the run from the empire, you know, you just saved this this girl from her execution. Mind you, it's pretty funny. they both met each other, they both yeah. yeah. Went to their, each other's execution. I think that's a yeah. pretty funny touch. First date. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the first date and second date was an execution. It was pretty hilarious. Um, and he was about to break open the locust wine, the, the very expensive wine. So it's serious with this girl. It's a happy time. Yeah. You know, I just found her delivery pretty awkward where she's like, take off your trousers. <laughs> I like met. how
1: you're struggling to do we that. We just too. met.
0: Hey, but they got this otherworldly connection. Now, he must have seen the broadcast. I don't think that was his his um, first jump when he left Bell. I don't think that was his first jump. I think that he was somewhere else. Then the broadcast came through the ship and he jumped over there to save her.
1: I would imagine too. Because there, there's no way like out of all of the places you're going to guess to jump, you're going to be trying to run away from Bell and just decide, I'm going to land on the Empire's doorstep. Now, I, I think
0: you're right. I would have been hella mad if they chopped off Constance's head in this episode i would have been so mad i (laughs) hope i don't get
1: the wrong oh shit i thought
0: it was i thought it was going there with the um oh you mean like in that scene where he's deactivating the thing no that would have been that would have been ridiculous if he saves her it really would have he saves her and then he chooses the wrong switch on the ship and chops her head off on the oh my lord
1: yeah yeah that would have been something else i i did think one of them was gonna die though um I really did. I'm surprised neither did.
0: One of them needs to die. Like, come on, you can't have everybody living it with these sort of high stakes scenarios. Polly should have taken like a. It should have been Polly running to the ship, and then like someone throws like Day throws a spear, you know, (laughs) it goes straight through Polly's chest, and he goes (laughs) something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I have a feeling Polly will
1: be the one to die.
0: I think you're gonna have a lot of deaths in the last two episodes, possibly. You know, I think uh, top death. If we had to go the Vegas odds here, uh we gotta go poly high here. We gotta go um Glewin I think is high on the on yeah. potential here because I think there might be a split of philosophy between Gleewin and Bell. Um, who else is at risk of dying? I think Tellum is almost confirmed like one hundred percent she's going she's to good, die. She's gonna have to die, man. Like, I don't see a way out. And I think one of the brothers, if not two of them, die uh in the next two episodes. D'emersell ain't going nowhere. So, I, I don't see a scenario where D'emersell's gone after the season personally, but I could be wrong. Yeah, so. she's she's such a force. I
1: think she'll stick around.
0: Yeah. All right, let's wrap up this instant reaction.
1: Let's do it. Well, thank,
0: are you going to do the outro? Oh
1: Yeah, unless you wanted to to say something else.
0: I don't know, just uh thank you all for tuning in to Foundation as always. We thank you for your support. We thank all of you out there who have been Uh, Sending us support um, via email and in other means. Thank you, Susie, for being so kind. Uh, Mm -hmm. Thank you. Let me just shout everybody out here by my name. Thank you, Guy. Thank you, Michael, for the advice. Sorry for the delayed responses, guys. Um, Just in the midst of these things, we will get back to you on all of this. Uh, Thank you, Jonathan and others who have reached out about YouTube. And um, yeah, just thanks thanks for for all of you who've reached out and, and support. And, uh, for now, tune in on Spotify, tune in on Twitter and wherever you're able to find it. But for right now, until Apple clears us, we are not an Apple podcast and we are not on YouTube and it is outside of our control to get back on there until they work with us. So thank you all. We will see you on Sunday for the deep dive Zach to the outro. Oh, and, uh, tune into invasion on Wednesdays when we post those season two is getting good. So yes it is to the outro
1: well thank you for listening to this episode of Foundation by Story Archives you can find this podcast almost anywhere you find podcasts Spotify and X that's about it at the moment you can visit our website at soapbox.house email us at contact at House, and we do have a couple links in the description down below we want to sign up for our quarterly newsletter which uh, I would suggest doing uh, if you want to kind of stay up to date i know we haven't sent anything yet but we are planning to do something soon and we also have another uh link down there to fill out a form where we're collecting some responses um just to kind of get some ideas on how to kind of pivot here and and really grow the network
0: perfect thank you all until next time please respect and enjoy the peace